I can't believe I'm camp. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to One More Thing with Jay and Robert. I'm Jay. And I'm Robert. One More Thing is a podcast celebrating LGBTQ plus pop culture. We did it. We did it. It took us four seasons. Welcome back. We know last week was a little bit of a downer, but this week we're going to talk about something fun. Camp. camp. <laughs> Is this podcast camp? No. Oh, well, I tried. <laughs> when we were putting together this episode, it was around the time where that thing was happening on social media where people would take things that happened at the Met Gala and be like, is this camp or is this not camp? And that became like a social media trend for a day or two. And so I started wondering about it and you suggested camp. And I was like, I actually don't know much about it. So I guess this will be a mixture of like learning things and campiness. Yeah. (laughs) Let me get my tent. Get it? Yeah, no, I get it. (laughs) (laughs) So obviously the reason this all came about is the Met Gala. Because the theme this year was camp, and there's the camp exhibit at the Met, which we will be talking about a little bit later. But the idea of camp has sort of been around as long as there's been queer culture, which so like forever, basically. My mind was like, the Romans? The Romans are camp. But it sort of got like a formal definition, and people started taking it seriously as like an art form when Susan Sontag wrote about it in her essay Notes on Camp. And who was Susan Sontag for the listeners that don't know who she is? Definitely. Only the listeners want to know. <laughs> I know Sontag in Rent when they're like, to Sontag, to Sontag, to something, to Sontag. Nope, that's not it. They say Sontag. Yeah, they're like, to Sontag, to Sontag, and anything taboo. She was a writer, Mostly, she was like a philosopher. She, her partner was Annie Leibovitz, the very famous photographer, mm. who's still alive. Oh. Anyway, Susan Sontag, essayist. She wrote okay. a lot of essays. Robert sitting next to a Susan Sontag essay, two Susan Sontag essays in one book is Illness as a Metaphor. So she had cancer, breast cancer, mm-hmm. and she basically wrote Illness as a Metaphor and AIDS and its Metaphors to basically be like, why every time we talk about someone who is sick, is it a tragedy? Gotcha. Which is like, you know, basically the foundational belief of like disabled activism now. And so what did she have to do with camp? You know, for someone who uh, who may not know who yeah, she is. Yeah, for, for anyone who doesn't. So her first like major essay was called Notes on Camp. And it was basically about how camp had until then been sort of like a secret language for queer people. And explaining to the world. And basically she says in the essay, like, writing about camp makes it not camp. Like, the Met Gala doing camp makes it not camp? Right. Gotcha. Interesting is what someone that doesn't know her might say when learning this new information. There's a lot. It's a long essay and there's a lot to talk about from it. But I have a little thing that just sort of we can use as, like, our sort of defining principles. Okay. This is the seven... One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. The, okay, the twelve <laughs> <laughs> formal characteristics of camp. Okay. So I'm gonna read them, and if you think maybe any listeners might not know right what one of the words means, mm-hmm. you can ask on their behalf. Okay, great. 
I'll play the role of the listener. Yeah. I think the listener would know all of these words. Irony. Okay, yeah. Humor. Parody. Pastiche. Naivete. Duplicity. Yes. I know what duplicity means, but what does it mean in the world of camp? Having two meanings. Oh, okay. (laughs) So. (laughs) So just duplicity. So just duplicity, yeah. (laughs) Ambiguity. Artificiality. Theatricality. Extravagance. Exaggeration. And aestheticism. Hmm. So essentially everything Lady Gaga's ever done. Yes, exactly. Yeah, basically. Hmm. So then what's the difference between, and get ready for this because this might be a heavy question. What is the difference between camp and any other art form? So that's a good, that is a very good question. And it's actually, it's not a super heavy question. Basically, camp exists in all art forms. Okay. So camp is more of an adjective than a noun. It's both. Oh, okay. Well, campy is the adjective. So there's a campiness in all art. Yes. And then camp itself is also its own style of art. Basically, camp cannot exist by itself. Hmm. It exists in art forms. Okay. So you can't like, you can say like, oh, that outfit is campy. That performance is campy. That movie is campy. But you can't just say, here is some camp, you know? Gotcha. Does that make sense? So when talking about the Met Gala, it was campiness in fashion. Yes. It wasn't just, this is camp. Right. I am on board. Fantastic. Me being the listener. Yes. (laughs) Obviously, you already knew all of that. (laughs) Yeah. And so get ready for this question. Anna Kendrick in the movie Camp is also camp. Yes, absolutely. Wow. (laughs) can't believe Anna Kendrick and Susan Sontag created camp. <laughs> Do you feel like you understand? I think so. Yeah. What is your favorite depiction of camp? Bjork swan dress. Interesting. Can you explain it to me? When that happened, I was, we were what? We were like 10 or something. Yeah. And I know that you, being the 10 year old that you were, <laughs> yes. was probably very into it. But if you were 10, then I was 12, looked at it and was like, that's an ugly dress. <laughs> And moved on. Yes. So, like, what? What was I? I, I what? What is it? So, but it's and it's in the Met exhibit, the camp exhibit, and I, I like turned the corner and saw it. And I was like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, I just love it because it's it. I love the attitude with which she wore it, where she was kind of like, yeah, I'm wearing it. So what? Like, fuck you. You know. Gotcha. Because it's such a. It's like so ridiculous and so wacky. So the campiness comes from the manner in which prospectively ugly dress was worn. Yeah, the campiness comes from the fact that an ugly dress is being worn so sincerely. Gotcha. And then it creates camp. Interesting. That's duplicity. That's the duplicity. Wow. Camp is interesting, would say a listener. (laughs) (laughs) This ghost listener is having a great time. (laughs) Fritzy, what in the hell are you doing here? Well, I I knew you'd be discussing stopping the show, and I just thought how disappointed all the kids would be. You scheming little bitch. Please, I'm a child. You think for one... Oh, save the speech, Rummy. She's fucked, I'm ready, and the goddamn show must go on. So let's get cracking, shall we? The next thing that we had to talk about was Judy Garland. Right. And I, being Robert, don't know why she's on this list. Judy Garland is sort of like one of the original mainstream camp icons. Okay. And that and that's sort of like why the queer community loves her so much is because she is a camp icon and camp is traditionally queer. 
Mm -hmm. I put her on the list to talk about because I thought it would be interesting to talk about like a person who is camp. As opposed to As opposed to like art forms. Yeah. So is John Waters also camp as a person or just his art? Him as a person. Yeah. Interesting. What makes Judy Garland camp? Or is it just the Wizard of Oz? It's the Wizard of Oz. It's the fact that she was sort of like bright in the face of tragedy. Mm -hmm. Like she went through so much tragedy in her life and she just spent it all like singing and yeah, singing and dancing up through like up to the very end. She was just having a good time, you know, Mm -hmm. and also just like the way she dressed. Judy Garland as a as a person or like the things that she's known for wearing the things she's known for wearing. Gotcha. So like the Easter parade suit and stuff like that? Yeah. Or more like the Dorothy dress? The Easter parade suit. Gotcha. Like stuff that today we think is ridiculous. And even then was sort of ridiculous. Hmm. But she wore it so sincerely. It's interesting because when I look back at her, I don't know how to put it. I'm almost like in my mind, she was such a classy, very, I don't know the word, like the proper word for it, but she was such a like quote-unquote, well-put-together person. Right. That, in my mind, to compare her to, like, like a John Waters movie, I'm, like, trying to find... I can't find the similarity, but when you explain it as, like, a singular thing, it makes a lot of sense. So can camp be compared, or is it, like, a spectrum of camp? It's sort of a spectrum. And, again, like, comparing it sort of makes it not camp. And why? Because then you're looking too much into it? Exactly. Hmm. Basically, one of the big things is, like, it's just a feeling it's just like a sense it's a shared mentality of like queer people and so it's like a straight person doesn't know what camp is interesting but a queer person can look at anything and know whether it's camp and maybe that's different for different people so jay and i took a trip to chicago last year last year the year before i can't i don't know what time is anymore who knows <laughs> and we went to an art museum yes of modern art correct called the chicago museum of modern art <laughs> Called Um, the Museum of Contemporary Art. Yes. There was an Andy Warhol piece that was hanging up on the wall and I took a picture of it. Yes. And then you made the comment that taking a picture of it defeats the art. Yeah. Or something like that. You were like... Well, I wasn't rude about it. (laughs) You were. You would like... You were like... He... You weren't rude, but but you were like... He would be so mad that you did that because it's... It's... Again, it's not the point. It's like... It's... Yes. Okay. (laughs) Let me clarify. Do you see where I'm going with this? Yes, because in this story, I sound like a cunt. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, he wouldn't like you taking that picture. (laughs) Such an asshole. (laughs) No, I was basically like, I think it's interesting when people take pictures of Andy Warhol because it's like against the, it's, it's against the intent of the art. I do remember the word intent. Yeah. Know that this was being said while I was taking a picture of him. <laughs> um, but is uh, but do you, do you see where I'm going with that? Like, is that the same thing? It, d- d- does does his art follow the same rules as camp, or is his art camp? His art is camp. Crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Would say someone that doesn't know <laughs> much about camp. <laughs> so, do you remember? And this kind of opens this up into a different conversation almost. But do you remember, I think it was last Pride, there was a really high-end designer line. And I cannot remember what it was, but it was something along the lines of like Gucci or something like that, who came out with a with a bomber jacket that was sequined and beaded and created the image from the Wizard of Oz movie of Judy Garland laying in the bed of poppies. I don't remember this, but I believe you. It was 
beautiful. And I was like, I want it. But it was like, you know, thousands of dollars. Right. So that obviously is camp, but is the selling of camp so diminishing me, the camp? Tell me why that's camp. Oh, just like because it's Judy Garland and like it's like such an iconic moment and like the whole metaphor with like poppies and like all of that stuff. But then like, is it almost like selling a print of Warhol? Like, does it does it diminish the meaning behind yes. it? Yes. Interesting. <laughs> Um, would say someone who doesn't know about camp. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it's just a running theme of things that we've been talking about on the podcast and also in real life between like when we're recording this, we're kind of in the midst of Pride Month, which I feel like the big talk every year for the past couple of years has been like when corporations sell pride, it right. like diminishes the meaning behind it. Yeah. And it's just like corporate pride. So then my immediate thought is, is pride camp? But then I'm like, queer stuff is camp. So I guess so. Pride is very campy. Hmm. Like the pride parade mm-hmm. is incredibly campy. Is the fact that it's a parade and not a march campy? Yes. This is crazy. <laughs> You're starting to figure it out. I can tell. I, I mean, our audience member. <laughs> Our studio audience. I think it's interesting because there. I guess I'm starting to realize that drank every time I say interesting, I'm starting to realize the boundaries and lack thereof of camp. Because I feel like during the Met Gala, there was a lot of like what he's wearing or what she's wearing is not camp. And so I was like, oh, so there is sort of like a like a border to what camp can and cannot be. And some of it, I mean, was obvious that like so-and-so was just wearing like a normal suit down the red carpet And then there were some that was just like, she's wearing a polka dot dress and like, no one cares. So it's not camp. So I guess there are like, are and are not. I don't know what the right word borders is all I can come up with, but like limits to what camp is. Right. I mean, I honestly think you're right that there are some situations where it's like, that's obviously not camp because it's just like a man in a suit. But I think it sort of depends on the viewer a little bit. Hmm. Because again, I don't think straight people can determine anything as camp. I just don't. I want you to edit that so it's just... I don't think straight people can determine anything. Yeah, they can't. (laughs) As the podcast has grown, I keep thinking back to when we first made the podcast. And I remember like taping your comforter up to the window with tape so that the sound didn't bounce off the wall. And our Patreon subscribers who we've kind of welcomed into the One More Thing family over the years have been so helpful to the season two that we did and the season three. And postcast. Yeah, and have really helped us grow. And I just wanted to say thank you. And if you're listening to this and you are not a Patreon subscriber, I would like you to consider maybe becoming one. (laughs) It would be really great if every listener donated $1 because you know what that would do? We'd get a bunch of dollars. And, oh, by the way, we also have a PayPal now. Oh, right? So if you want to make a one-time donation, I literally just remembered this as we're recording this ad. If you want to make a one-time donation, which would be so incredibly kind, you can go to paypal.com and just PayPal us at one more thing. Tell me about your field trip. I know we were going to pretend like I went with you, but I think at this point, there's no pretending. Yeah. (laughs) So I went to the camp exhibit at the Met yesterday, and originally I was just going to like take a lot of pictures and walk Robert through it, and then we were going to pretend we both went, but I think it would be foolish to pretend that just from the way this episode is going. (laughs) (laughs) So I hated it. Really? Yes. Absolutely hated it. Did you hate the fact that it existed and how people treated it? Or did you hate the actual exhibit? I hated the way people treated it. I see. There's a running theme to this episode. Running theme. (laughs) The theme is people suck. (laughs) (laughs) So first of all, I texted you about this. It was so crowded. I couldn't even get my phone out. 
mm-hmm. to take pictures for you. I took one picture of a suit that I wanted to buy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there's like, a price tag hanging out. Yeah, of it. that was like neon pink with flowers all over it. And I was like, that's for me. But it was like so crowded with tourists. And every other section of the Met was like kind of crowded, which I thought was weird because it was a Wednesday. And I was like, why aren't all these people like at work? I guess it's the summer, so whatever. And it was pretty crowded elsewhere. But then I got up to the camp exhibit and I was like, holy hell, there are a billion people here. And literally the security guards had to like only let in a few people at a time because it was so crowded. And I had to take my backpack off and hold it because it was like a crowded subway car. Oh my God. Yeah, that's how crowded it was. That by itself, I didn't like just because I hate crowds. (laughs) Fair. And it made it hard to like focus on the exhibit for me. But then the exhibit itself is pretty interesting. And it I think it does a good job. I I think it does a good job of explaining the unexplainable. Mm Mm-hmm. Especially because the last room is just an enormous, like an enormous room with like outfits everywhere, hmm. and each each one just has like a tiny little note next to it that's just like what the dress is, and it doesn't say anything about camp, so it's like up to you to have your interpretation. Oh, yeah, which I like. So it was all like I hate making this generalization because you never know, but like I could tell I was the only queer person there. Mm-hmm. And like, you never know, but also like, you know, sometimes. Yeah. And then I ended up behind these two to- clearly touristy women, these two older women. And one of them was explaining to the other what a drag queen is. And she was clearly homophobic. <laughs> so I was like, why are you at the camp exhibit? But she, I guess they didn't know what they were coming to see because she came in, like she was talking to her friend and she was like, these men, and she did air quotes And she was like, want to be women, so they put on women's clothing. And I was like, okay, well, help. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, security. Get me. (laughs) Something's going on. Security, I need to be escorted out of the exhibit. (laughs) (laughs) And then I listened to them for a little bit longer, and they were basically just like, they couldn't fathom why any man would ever wear a woman's clothing. And I was like, first of all, what is going on? Second of all, just like, shut up. And, like, clearly you don't know any drag queens, so just don't talk about them. But it was all like that. Like, all the conversations I overheard were, like, people just, like, saying homophobic things or, like, acting like... Like, I heard overheard a bunch of conversations that were, like, people being, like, oh, I to- like I get it. I get it from the exhibit. I totally get it. And it's, like, well... Just from the exhibit, you don't actually get what it is. You have to, like, have the lived experience of being a queer person. Mm-hmm. And, like, it, w- it was just very, like I said, it was just, it was just ve- or like you said, it was just the way people were treating it. I was like, no, thank you. I feel like we have had this conversation before of, like, is the fact that the camp was on, or, like, such a queer thing was on such a high-profile platform that kind of the whole world looks at, is it a good thing or a bad thing? Right. Like, in my mind, it's great that all these people, especially tourists that are probably coming from all over the country or the world, are being exposed to this sort of art. But then I guess the downside is... It doesn't sink in sometimes. Yeah. Because I'm like, oh, it's great that all that they're talking this out. Yeah. Whether it's good or bad or, or whatever, they're still, like, talking about it. But I guess if it, if it will never make an impact on them, then, like... Right. And it's obviously hard to know, like, what impact it ended up having on any of them because I didn't, like, go home with anyone from the exhibit. You did? 
I wish. Listen, I am actively looking for a girlfriend, so <laughs> if anyone is listening. And- I can think of a few. That was kind of like when I, w- I went to the MoMA during one of their free days, which it was mistake one. And I went with my friend Eileen and we went in and we were like, we're going to split up because we didn't want to slow each other down or feel like we had to like wait for some for the other person to be done with one. And that's where Starry Night is. Yeah. And I was like, ooh, I'm going to go to Starry Night. So I walked over to Starry Night and there's like a, there, there was like a little bit of a cluster in front of it. And then they moved away and suddenly I was the only one there. And I was looking at it and I was like, this is beautiful. I love this. And then I got so like immediately swarmed that it like slowly pushed me away from it because everybody was taking pictures of it instead. And I was so mad. And at the end, when I reconnected with Eileen, I was like, did you get to see Starry Night? And she was like, I did, but I was standing there. And then she like mimed it happening, but she was like, someone's phone came right in front of my face to take a picture of it. As if they were like reaching through other people to get a more squared photo. And she was like, I got mad and walked away. Yeah. I was like, so that's what I'm imagining while you, while you while yeah, you it was exactly like that. What were your favorite things that were inside? Well, the swan dress. Mm-hmm. I was thrilled. Lady Gaga's meat dress was there. The pink suit I sent you with the flowers. I loved. Mm. There was an Andy Warhol there. Dress or painting? Both. Wow. It had the painting and then a dress of the painting. Oh, wow. Yeah. That I really liked. There was a cool painting from like the early 20th century that sort of the wall writing. I don't know what it's called, but the like writing next to a piece of art at a museum. Like the little plaque. Yeah. Whatever. The blurb. Mm -hmm. The the blurb said it was like representative of high camp and low camp at the same time. Do you know the difference between high camp and low camp? No. Okay. I assume it's this is super camp and this is, but it's also actively becoming not camp. So basically high camp is like deliberately cultivated camp, if that makes sense. Yes. And low camp is unintentional camp. Oh, so which one's better? Low camp? Neither is better. Hmm. What was it? The painting. Mm-hmm. It was like half of it was dandy men mm-hmm. from the early 20th century, which was like the high camp part. And then half of it was just like this really like ridiculous, wacky color colored like clearly supposed to be serious but just like looked like sort of trashy and i was like oh that's a super interesting example of like high and low camp together where it's like oh the like the dandy men are supposed to be campy but also like this painting is crazy (laughs) the exhibition is called camp notes on fashion and it was inspired by Susan Sontag's 1964 essay, Notes on Camp. The first half of the exhibition does trace the origins of camp. The introduction is a section called The Camp Beau Ideal. It focuses on the figure of Antonus, um, Hadrian's lover, who has been embraced in the queer culture by artists like Robert Mapplethorpe. Each gallery has a hero or heroine. So it starts off with Louis XIV and his brother Monsieur, famous bisexual. I wanted to trace the etymological origins of camp. And the first time it was mentioned that we found is camp as a verb in a novel by Moliere, Scapin. Scapin talks about camping on one leg like a comedy king. So then I have a sad question. Okay. So AIDS remembrance. Right. I feel like we talked about it at one point and you were like, it's so sad because we don't know where art would be if XYZ didn't pass during the AIDS epidemic. Do you think that camp would have evolved into... I guess the word I'm going to use is like less underground art form than it is now if XYZ didn't happen. I don't think so because camp has always sort of been like an underground thing. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and there have never been really attempts to bring it above ground until now. Like, even John Waters and Susan Sontag, who are kind of the two, like, arbiters of, um, like, bringing camp, quote-unquote, into the mainstream, are not, like, mainstream. Like, Susan, Sa- Susan Sontag brought it to, like, the intellectual elite, and John Waters brought it, like, to the more, like, the wider queer community, you know? And not just, like, the underground New York queer community. I guess Hairspray is a good example of what we were talking about earlier, where I've seen the original movie, which is crazy. Yes. And then you watch the musical, and it's very different. Yes. So is it different because trying to replicate something that is campy, like, literally made it not campy? I don't think so. I think they deliberately uncamped it. Why? Because they wanted to appeal to, like, a Broadway audience. Interesting. (laughs) (laughs) But sort of speaking of Hairspray. Yeah. We wanted to talk about appropriation of camp. Right. I have a lot of feelings on appropriation of queer culture in general, especially right now. Not even just at the Met Ball, but I feel like on a lot of red carpets, you're seeing a lot of like straight men wearing nail polish and kind of like bending their gender identity, but still, but but also not representing that at all. Did that make sense? Like, I guess that the same thing is sort of happening with campiness. Yeah. What's a good example of like a recent time that camp has been appropriated? Because you can also be, I guess you could also say that like RuPaul's Drag Race is appropriation of queer camp, but it's being done by queer people. Right. So I guess it's just uh, making something more mainstream that wasn't, and that's not necessarily appropriation, but. Right. I guess it's like media appropriation. Well, actually, I do I do think Drag Race works here because I don't watch Drag Race, but every straight woman I know loves Drag Race. Mm-hmm. And I do think that's a little bit like, co- like, I guess appropriation is the wrong word and it's more like commodification. Ooh, what's that mean? That means like selling. Mm. You hear that, listener? It means selling. Yeah. <laughs> hey, listener who didn't know. <laughs> well, that's like that thing um, where, uh, oh, fuck, what's her name? Mm, the View woman that I hate. Megan McCain? Yes, Megan McCain <laughs> just interviewed like three really big RuPaul's Drag Race girls. Oh, God. Yeah, on the view, she was the only one that did so. So like Whoopi wasn't there. I guess Raven isn't there in general, but like um, <laughs> did it for the view and like claimed to like love Drag Race. I didn't actually watch the interview, but it like blew up on social media and was like, why are you the person that did this interview? And then people started to get mad at the drag queens for taking the interview. Yeah. And the drag queens essentially were just like, fuck you. Like, we're going to do it. And I guess that's... Commodification. Commodification. A little bit, yeah. Basically, commodified camp, I feel like, is camp that is being like packaged and sold. Mm -hmm. Like, the gift shop at the Met exhibit was like yeah there's a gift shop what yeah there's a big gift shop did you buy something from the i did not buy anything no i thought about it i was like wouldn't it be funny it would be campy if i did honestly <laughs> okay that would be like I the get, true camp. i get that says yeah the there audience. you go says the audience <laughs> that had like t-shirts with pictures of susan sontag on them but like cartoon drawings of susan sontag hmm. And I was like, that shirt, if it were not trying to be campy, would be campy. So if it was just a pic, a, like a like a print-on picture of her? Like if it was American Apparel selling it for Pride Month. It wouldn't be campy. It would be campy. Oh. Uh, 
But the fact that it's at, like, a place where they're trying to sell it as camp Mm -hmm. just makes it embarrassing. Wow. You hear that, Anna Wintour? Yeah, you hear that, Anna Wintour? (laughs) I'm coming for you, Anna Wintour. You're embarrassing us. (laughs) You're embarrassing the queer community. What else was there? Shirts with Karl Lagerfeld. And that is a person. Designer. Designer. Who designs a lot of campy clothes. Who designs a lot of campy clothes. Shirts with pictures of Anna Wintour and Dapper Dan. Oh, you know who that one is? Yeah, Dapper Dan was on this past season of, of uh, Project Runway. Oh, I see. <laughs> the one I considered buying was this big white sweatshirt with the rainbow letters that said, Be Yourself. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I considered buying it, because I thought it was so funny. Oh my god. I was like, can you imagine if I just walked into like a party wearing that I would literally be thrown out (laughs) but like that's the kind of thing it was that's that was like across the board like the level of ridiculousness it was Hmm. I guess when you don't have Lady Gaga hosting the Met Gala exhibit merchandising yeah (laughs) it turns out to be that yeah and so, like, that's what the, like, commodification of queerness is. And it's the same as straight girls loving RuPaul's Drag Race. It's, like, RuPaul's Drag Race would be campy if it was not, like, straight girls being like, yes, queen, you know? hmm I mean, I think it's fine for straight girls to like Drag Race, but it's a different thing to make it their culture. Yes, I agree. I think it's I think it's fine to like anything. I mean, within reason. Mm-hmm. It's not fine to, like, like genocide, but <laughs> you heard it here first. <laughs> that's that on that but i i think it's fine to like anything within reason i just think to take something that isn't yours and make it your culture i think white girls being obsessed with drag race is similar to white gays stealing language from black trans women i don't think it's as bad but i think it's like a similar sort of and obviously like it's like a ladder you know because it's like the black trans women start it, and then the white gays take it, and then the white straight girls take it from the white gays. Mm-hmm. I don't like my my little cousins back home say shade. Oh my god! When I first heard it, I was like, "Do you know what that means?" And they were like, "Yeah," and I was like, uh, "Okay, <laughs> okay, cool." <laughs> Yikes! I was like, "I guess it's time to stop saying shade." <laughs> it's out. So this season, we're doing something really fun and really exciting. It's called... A book club. We're inventing a new we, thing. Yeah, we invented, a, we invented something called a book club. It's going to be super awesome. We're all going to read a book together, and then in an episode at the end of the season, we're going to talk about it. Oh, I guess we should see what the book is. <laughs> season four's book is Red, White, and Royal Blue. By Casey McQuiston. Thank you. I, I can't say her last name yeah. to save my life. I yeah. want to say McQuinston, and I know that's not no, it. No, no, it's McQuiston. And uh, we can't wait to start something new with you guys. Yeah, we're very excited. So go, you can buy it at wherever books are sold. It's called Red, White, and Royal Blue by Casey McQuiston. And the episode airs August 12th. So go ahead and finish the book by then. And make sure you're all caught up because we will not be spoiler free in the episode. See you then. And also every Monday before then. It's interesting because I also feel like there are levels of that. We were at this Pride event the other day and Peppermint was speaking, speaking of Drag Race. And she made the comment that like that white gay men need to like take her culture's words out of their mouths and like create their own language. That whole concept interests me so much, but also freaks me out (laughs) being a cis white man (laughs) who's gay because I'm because I'm like, I 
sort of being the age that I am kind of came into a community where that already existed. Right. So I'm like, well, that is the way that gay men speak. And then it's the knowledge of like, well, that's like, they weren't, they didn't create any of that. It came from all of these other like facets of the queer community. And like, I don't use a lot of it, but that's just because of my personality. It's not because I'm like actively trying not to or anything like that. Right. But I, it, I don't know. It interests me. I guess ownership of things in the queer community interests me. You want to say more about that? Yes, but I'm like, I, I my thoughts about it are, uh, my thoughts about it, I, it's something that I've wanted to talk about for a while, but my thoughts about it never land on an opinion. Got it. Because I feel like any opinion is wrong. I see what you mean, yeah. And it also kind of goes back to, at the same Pride event, we saw this person speak who I definitely know, who's older. Kate Bornstein. Yes. Made this like really great speech. In it, they talked about how in the like mid to late 80s, they watched like all of these sections of the queer community that were separated be forced to come together. And they specifically said, because our boys are dying, quoting the speech that was made, like we more or less got it under control and everybody went back to doing what they were doing. And Then the point of the speech was like, and now it's time to like rally back up together and like share and support each other. So in my mind, I'm like, well, where, where is, where are those borders of like, yes, we're all one thing and we're all one community and like everything is each other's, but then also these things are yours and these things are yours and these things are mine. Does that make sense? Yeah. But I also have the like appropriate knowledge of like black culture being like that is your culture and not my culture so i and i would never try to take it as my own culture right not only because that's just not who i am but also because that's wrong and i don't know it like there's like a short circuit where like all of those thoughts kind of meet in my brain and then there's nothing (laughs) okay that's what i have to say no yeah i think that's all very good and so with camp (laughs) Right. Oh, right. That's what this episode is about. So with camp, I'm like, I, I think, uh, okay, so my mom watches Drag Race. My mom watches Drag Race because, as I've mentioned before, on the podcast, Alexis Michelle was on Drag Race, who is a friend, and my mom wanted to support her and started watching it and then started to like Drag Race and now watches it without me telling her that the episodes are on and she like records it. And so it, I guess it, it, it's kind of the same thing in my mind where I'm like, Oh my god, it's amazing that she watches this because it's it, it it's reached a mainstream point where my my at, at one point relatively conservative mother is now watching this TV show about drag queens that it's becoming very raunchy again. It kind of w- was watered down for a little bit and now it's on its way back up. And so in my mind I'm like that's such a great thing, but then on the other side of my mind I'm like well, that's not a good thing. And then those two thoughts short circuit and there's nothing. Right. So that's what I have to say about that. <laughs> well, the thought that's crossing my mind now is I remember last season we did um, an episode called Dear One More Thing. Yeah. Where we had people write in questions and we answered them. And one of the people that wrote in was this mother. Yes. Um, from, I want to say Middle America, who has two kids. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe I'm making that up. I'm sorry if you're that mother. <laughs> um, <laughs> 
And um, she was like, how do I approach raising my children around queerness while also teaching them that it's not that like it is it is something that is accepted, but it's not necessarily yours until you decide that that is not decide, but like you realize that that is part of who you are. And we were like, great, you're already doing it because you have the knowing. So maybe it is just the knowing. Yeah. Like, it's cool that my mom watches Drag Race as long as she knows that it's not her place. Yeah. But then, okay, so then in that, if I know that Black trans language is not my language, but still use it, does that make it okay? Right, like, is that enough? Because then, don't be mad at me that I say girl when, like, referencing people, because I know that it's not mine. But then, because I know that it's not mine, should I just not be using it? That I think that's what I'm trying to get to. Yeah, yeah. Here's my answer. I have no idea. Well, if you know, email us at... <laughs> yeah, write it. <laughs> I, I think one of the things that I really like about this podcast is that I can be open about things that confuse me. And it's happened multiple times before throughout the seasons. And we have never had anybody email us, period. Um, we've never had anybody email us yelling at me. Because, like, there was that... We did a Pride episode in season two. One. One. <laughs> where I was like, I don't understand why there's a trans pride and then there's also gay pride and people are mad that we don't include trans people as much as uh, as much as humanly possible within it when there's also a separate trans pride that happens at the same time and we had a like in-depth conversation about it and at the end I was like cool I get it and no one yelled at me yeah so I'm glad that I can have this conversation with all of you listeners and no one is yelling at me <laughs> But if you want to yell at us, I mean, write in. Our great PA, David Zimmerman, will respond. <laughs> we'll filter those messages out. <laughs> Robert, what do you do every Tuesday night? I change my work schedule around to make sure that I am available for FX's Pose. And you know what I do every Wednesday? What? I record an episode of our new show, Posecast. <laughs> The unauthorized pose recap slash review show. You know what? I would like to authorize it. Do I have that authority? Yeah. It's authorized. Authorized. It is unofficially authorized. (laughs) The unofficially authorized pose recap and review show. And you know what? We've heard from a lot of listeners that are like, you know, I really want to listen, but I don't watch pose. You know what? Watch pose. Super easy. Easy. The episodes are usually under an hour, sometimes over. Sometimes they're like an hour and a half. (laughs) But, you know, that's just Ryan Murphy. Michelle Collins of SiriusXM All-Stars once called us Ryan Murphy aficionados. Is that how you say that? Aficionados, yeah. Yeah. And we would like to bring that to you in a whole new level. Yeah, and you can find it on iTunes and nowhere else. (laughs) (laughs) So we're coming towards the end of the episode, which means it's time for... One One more thing. thing. So our one more thing this week is an imagining. Imagining that we are invited to the Met Gala. Mm-hmm. The, the camp Met Gala, not just any Met Gala. And what we would wear. Are we doing ourselves or am I doing you? Oh, I was going to do ourselves. Okay, great. Okay. I would wear a khaki suit. <laughs> <laughs> That's very good. Thank you. I think that I would wear, I would contact the host and the met <laughs> and the like the like celebrity hosts oh like Harry and, Styles yeah and like Anna Wintour and be like design me of like extremely tailored suit that is made out of the material of the carpet so that oh. when you take pictures of it you like can't super you make it in. out but yeah. it like yeah I love that I think that's great Anna Wintour hire yeah. me <laughs> 
next year we expect to be invited to the Met Gala from our amazing ideas. Can you imagine? It's like the the celebrity hosts are like Jamie Foxx and like Claire Danes and then like Jan Robert yeah. from Northern. <laughs> Why also those were the two celebrity names that came to my mind. Yeah, I have no what? idea. <laughs> Jamie Foxx? What's he doing? I don't know. I was thinking about him yesterday. That's about it. Well, so that's our episode. (laughs) As we reminded you last week before we go... We have our movie club coming up, which is Vita in Virginia. So start planning with all your friends to go watch it. We have our book club, which is Red, White, and Royal Blue by Casey McQuiston. 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 By Casey McQuiston. Yeah. You can go ahead and buy it now and start reading. We have those episodes coming up in a few weeks. (laughs) Special thanks to David Zimmerman. RPA. And Abby Davis. For the art. And all of our Patreons. Yes. And if you want to become a patron, you can go to patreon.com slash one more thing. If you want to make a one-time donation, you can go to PayPal and PayPal us at one more thing. If you want to follow us on social media, Twitter and Instagram are one more thing. If you want to follow us individually, I'm Hey Junt. And I'm, as Michelle Collins says, Robert E. Ack. <laughs> if you have any um, ideas as to what my handle should be, DM me. Yeah. Especially if you're hot. Okay. Bye. (laughs) Against interpretation. Am I right, Sontag fans? They'll like that. (laughs) (laughs) Me being um, uh, a scholar in, in Susan's work did find that funny.